0: Yes, we are recording. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is another episode of Politic Tick Boom, and uh, sorry that the show has actually been off the air for a while. Uh, The elections happened, and I realized that I didn't want to talk to politicians anymore, and I figured kind of everybody needed a break. And unlike Fox News, I was able to go, you know what, I'm going to take some time off, and then when I feel it's ready, I'm sure I'll do it right before the session comes back. Lo and behold, here we are two weeks, two weeks, it's three something weeks like that. Yeah. I'm not really counting. <laughs> I'm trying to block it out of my mind as well. The session should be starting soon today. I am joined by Shane Castle, who now are you the editor? Yeah. Publisher editor, and, and publisher and editor for the Helena Vigilante, uh, com. Yeah. Uh, it would Yeah, it would be com is the website. Okay, and it's yeah. the Helena Vigilante newspaper. And this is uh, a local startup newspaper that uh, online you do a print version monthly. Um, and uh, when did you guys
1: start? Uh, we started in March of 2011 posting stuff online, and we
0: didn't start printing until October of 2011. Hmm. Okay, so you have a print version, and it's once a month, right? So is it more like a magazine, compiling the stuff, the interesting stuff that's happened, or Uh, you know, we really conceive
1: of it as you would a weekly newspaper, um, except we have to. Account for the fact that it'll be sitting on the shelf for a month. So we try to frame stories so that they have a little more shelf life, you Mm. know, so it doesn't, we don't have that whole breaking news edge. That would be stupid.
0: (laughs) It's breaking news uh, from two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fun. So how did you, let's start, let's back up. Are you from Helena?
1: No, no, I'm, uh, so the, that's quite an odyssey in and of itself. So I'm from New Mexico or, and West Texas is where I grew up. Um, but my, my wife and I, we, we moved to Seattle. I don't even remember what year it was. Um, and when we drove through Montana, we just decided, well, when we're done with school and everything, we're going to move to Montana. We just, you know, even just driving through it, we liked it a lot. So uh, we lived in Alaska for six years and then we came to Helena in 2008, like right at the beginning of 2008, got a little hobby farm.
0: Um, So that's one of the reasons we came. Hmm. Well, that's cool. And you also teach uh, creative writing?
1: Uh, No, no. I teach uh, English Composition at Carroll. Just, you know, as an adjunct professor, one one class a semester, I've taught business writing over there too. Very cool. And what made you decide to launch The Vigilante? Uh, I've written for alternative weekly papers before, um, primarily up in Alaska. Uh, There was a an alternative weekly up there called the uh, Anchorage press. And I wrote for them hmm. a little bit, you know, just as a freelancer, I always like those kinds of newspapers like the Seattle stranger or the Seattle times or, or weekly. Um, the I always like those New papers. Times in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, they were Village in, Boys in New York. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, Alibi in Albuquerque. Um, and you know, this is, this is a kind of paper that's been around for a long time. Um, but anyway, so I've always liked it. I've, I've written for them. I, I enjoy in depth features. I, I saw a, a hole in Helena,
0: so just yes. went ahead and did it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll try not to be mean and comment on the hole that you saw. Sexually beaut. but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, the the first time I ran into the vigilante, actually, I was talking to Kelson on the other show. She was like, oh, well, and Shane was there from the Helena vigilante. I'm like, mm, "I have no idea what this is because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen anything on it," and you had done a profile on her. And so then I went and looked at it, and that was intense. That was like forty-five minutes to read. I don't know how long it took to type it all out. Yeah, I don't want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it took a lot
1: longer than it took to read. Yeah, uh, I when I you know when I did those, um, I I conceived of politician interviews being a lengthy thing. Uh, I like the idea of. I ha- well I I hate sound bites, and so I thought. This would be like the exact opposite of a sound bite and i and it's just something you don't get very often, so I just i mean that's kind of I tried it to see how it worked mm-hmm. and um judging by your reaction, <laughs>
0: it was a lot of reading time it was a lot of reading time i mean one of the things that you know news I think. Well, we can get into the philosophy of news later, but I think one of the things that they do a really good job at is they're good at making things concise. Unfortunately, they go too far sometimes, and that's, that's yeah. how we get into the soundbite nature of what we've got right now. They've gone too far, they need to pull back. Um, with uh, What was so interesting about that is that in talking to Kelson, she was like, well, you and Shane are doing the same things, you just chose different media to do it. And I was like, hmm. That's interesting. I chose the easy way out. I just have them talking to a microphone that I've got a recording, which I can give to everybody. Um, and I don't have to type because I don't like to type. Yeah. <laughs> and I've discovered recently that my abilities to type have gone down. It's really bizarre. I cannot get certain words to come out right yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, I've got one because my iPad, my iPhone, and my computer all will let me dictate to them. Mm-hmm. And they do a fairly good job. So I'm like, hmm, I don't type. <laughs> <laughs> So what does, what made you get interested in politics or was politics you know just the beat that you wanted to cover um well i mean i'm i'm an engaged an
1: engaged person i mean i've always paid attention to politics i wouldn't call myself a politico or anything like that um i mean i i'm not I'm definitely not the person who is reading the blogs every single day and keeping up up to date on the the minutia of what happens in the legislature or in Congress. I mean, I'm just not, but I am interested. And I think it's important for people to be interested. Um, so no, I, I mean, I, I decided to do that specifically because I wasn't those long interviews specifically because I wasn't seeing much substance, um, And I don't know that maybe I just translate that to length for me. I just want to see more. I want to hear more of someone talking and working
0: through their thoughts on something. Um, And I don't know why that is. Uh, Well, I don't know. I don't know what your underlying reason is. I can see why you would have that thought, though, because everything that goes into that, the stuff that you want to do when you – Ask somebody a question that they don't have an immediate soundbite answer for, and that they step through. You get a chance to understand not only where they're where they're coming from, but how they got there, and that how they got there is such an important part of politics that we are missing. Uh, I think it's a it's a great thing. I mean, I, the profiles that I read, I read Kelson's and I read um, Liz's, obviously, because I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to talk about them. And then I'm trying to remember if I read Mark and. I read half of Marks, and I read uh about a quarter of um Mark Perea you couldn't have read marks mark didn't do it.
1: who was the uh i i I did the the county commission seat. you know it was Annie Hunthausen and Mike Vosbender. oh and I did been one, Mike I did one for um for for Christine Kaufman, but mark Perea didn't <coughs> right and I read to do it okay,
0: then I must have read Mike's, and I know I read part of Christine's. Probably I ran, like, ran I know Sam that. Hunthausens. Um, it was I, another I did. I didn't say I didn't read his, and part of it was I'd already interviewed him on the show, so oh, yeah. I was like, eh, I've already you talked to him. him. I know what he's about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting to me because I think uh, the difference between when they're talking and when they're they know they're going to be written, so they they spend a little more time composing it, I guess, in their head because they didn't sound like they sound when they talk no no it was like "Mm, maybe so i don't know it's interesting i always think it's interesting because whenever you take something and you put it to media no matter what it is it always gets translated a little bit you know it always gets translated by the listener too so you're always going to end up with it's not exactly the same but
1: yeah well one of the things i thought that was interesting about it and you know going back over and i did go back over and read them all i mean i have to reassess constantly like when i made a choice was it the right choice is this how I want to do it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and read through all of them, and um, one of the things that I thought that came out of the lengthy interview and their and their the full transcription of their statements was that this is kind of it's going to sound a little elliptical, but that or maybe philosophical, but that they in knowing that they could go on and on and on about something, um, I think it it tempered the politician's desire for brevity. I mean, I think it, it, it kind of put them in a place of mind where they couldn't just truncate down to their, sound, to their typical talking points. Right. I mean, they had to go in and explain what they were talking about, you know. There's, I mean, there's a lot of re- rhetorical points people make that if we really analyze them, they don't make a lot of sense, or <laughs> they're contradictory, or they're... You know, they're They're just mythological, (laughs) fluffy. Yeah. So that that was something I thought that was good about it. I thought they were great
0: just because, you know, nobody does it. I think that's an awesome thing. Now, how many of those got published in some format in the paper?
1: Oh, five. Oh, really? Yeah, five. I would have done six because I intended to, to interview Mark Perea, but it didn't happen. So I just published the five and then... So and then Kelson and and Liz, I um, I interviewed them and just did that on the the website. Uh, you know, I intended to do more, really, but I mean, I
0: ran into some time constraints. Yeah, well, and it's it's a tough thing to do. Politicians are notoriously difficult to get a hold of. Yes, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and and I say that knowing full well that in Montana we have it better than most because we can really get a hold of pretty much anybody. But getting them to take the time out of their day to do a show or to do an interview like that, I'm sure. It, I know how much, it, how much of a pain it is for me, it, and you know, I'm sure it's just as much, if not more so, for you. Yeah,
1: well, those interviews all took, I mean, I spent an hour with each one of those candidates, with the, strictly with the interview. And then, you know, there was the little bit of time on either side of the interview. So, I mean, it was maybe an hour and a half out of everyone's day. I mean, that's a pretty significant chunk of time for busy people. So, you know, I appreciate the fact that any of them actually took the chance because they really didn't know what to expect of of the vigilante at that point, mm-hmm. I'm sure um some of them didn't weren't very familiar with it at all, as you weren't you know um so i could have I could have seen the tendency for some people to just shy away, maybe not respond to an email or a phone call mm-hmm. um but they did they so I thought that was good
0: and and so the vigilante when it started up, it's obviously not just about politics it takes that that weekly news slant of being not the mainstream media but a little bit alternative, and you've got. How many regular writers, how many columnists that you have? What have you got going on? So, I mean, the
1: staff is very, very small. So right now, it's basically, I do, I basically come up with the, you know, the concepts for the issue. If we do a themed issue, I figure out what content we should probably run for a given month. Uh, I write most of the feature stories. I, you know, I, I copy edit poorly. Some of them <laughs> <laughs> and i I copy it, no it's wrong, I copy it poorly, all of them um but and then you know I do the layout, um, I design ads, uh I do a lot of that stuff, and so we have freelance writers, uh several quite a few of those around town uh and and that's like Lazy Middlestead has been sort of our go to freelance writer for quite a while now. Um, before that, Larry Klein, who used to um, write for the independent record, he, he was doing a lot and he might get involved again. Um, and we're always trying to find new people, new voices and new um, ways for people to get involved uh my wife sam lavin she 's sort of our business manager, and she writes uh humor columns, mm-hmm. so we have a horoscope she and uh her her best friend from when she was a little kid, they do those, and she does the consumer b s column, which is from what I hear a lot of people 's favorite thing about the paper, one of the things they first opened the paper for um, so for what is to, what is it describe so it. consumer b s is you know, basically Sam goes out to stores that we would never personally shop at in a million years. And I'll just, you can probably guess which stores those would be big box stores. We don't shop at those places, but Sam goes out on anthropological searches and she finds, <laughs> um, detritus of, of our mass consumption culture. So she, she had finds to go to a, just a store bunch of to find junk. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she finds the, you know, the, The the physical embodiments, the the cheap junk that people waste a bunch of money on, um, just, you know, it's baubles. And mm. so she finds something it 's absurd. she lampoons it in the in the paper every every issue she actually does it does it twice because she does one in the paper and then she does one online so we 're up to something like consumer b s number thirty two and the idea is at some point that number will be consumer b s three thousand four hundred and seventy seven you right. know and we 're cataloging all this junk um, so anyway that 's what that column is and um, yeah it 's one of my personal favorites in there. I <laughs> wish I could write it because I end up getting in the position where I have to be the straight man, you know, like I have to be serious most of the time and, and you know, my my original writing in Alternative weeklies, like I would do comedic stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, up in Anchorage, I covered a, a play that was just a silly farce and I just approached it as if, you know, like I didn't get that it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> uh, you know, and so I would do that kind of stuff. I enjoy writing like that. I don't like I don't want to become this super serious, grumpy politico, you know, in my old age. And you have to temper that because if you spend any time focusing on politics and political social issues, there is a tendency to just start. Uh, I think you just start getting grumpy. There's no that's a, it's just a natural defense for it, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you get tired of making the same argument over and over again and not being listened to yeah i know because i'm right there i'm right there like i wake up in the morning and i think you know what politicians are still out there
1: (laughs) yeah and they always will be and for good reason i i hate to get down i don't want to suggest in any way that i'm just somebody who who hates politicians because i don't i mean i think that there's a there's a reason why we have a representative government i think it's a good thing that we have that um but obviously the processes get a little bit sloppy sometimes. People get caught up in their own shtick and it gets to be
0: a little bit frustrating. No, it gets very frustrating. And we've got you know, we had high hopes going into the election that this upcoming session would be uh less than the nightmare the last one was and then the appointments started happening now i know you've been following it a little bit and i know you don't want to become this politico but welcome to politico central in helena that's Mm -hmm. basically what this town is everybody in this town goes no no no, i'm not involved in politics but I'm not voting for them, and here's why, and they can list mm-hmm. 35 things. It's like, yeah. how is it you're not involved and you have all this information in your head? Yeah. I don't know what not involved is in your world, but that's involved in mine. Yeah, by comparison to most, I mean, yeah, most right, you go people to Missoula, don't
1: know anything. They're, they're you go to Missoula and they don't
0: happening. know a session is happening, come to Helena and we tell you where, which bar they're at tonight. So, yeah. <laughs> no.
1: I mean, I think that's neat, and I think that that is something about Helena that I really do like. And I wasn't involved. I wasn't covering the last session, you know, but I paid attention to it. And, I mean, there is something, there's, there's an energy that goes around during the session that I thought was pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be definitely more engaged in it this time. Uh, so... I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know that it'll be fun, but I think it will be interesting. Uh, have you met with many of the legislators that you know since the election? Have you been involved in talking to them? or Are you just avoiding that until session I'm, starts?
1: I'm. I mean, I would probably be doing a little bit more groundwork right now. If this were my full time job, um, I would absolutely be doing that. But right now I'm basically just I'm keeping a am keeping a list of different uh, bills as they're moving forward. You know, uh, there is a there's something still like, I don't know, 1700 unintroduced bills. So I'm kind of just keeping a, keeping track on what those are sort of making a list and filtering it, checking daily, you know, what's happening, what's getting dropped, what's rising to the surface. Um, so I'm just basically creating getting myself Flotsam, ready. <laughs> get, exactly. Yeah. I'm getting myself a list is basically all I'm doing, but that's a time consuming process. Just keeping a list of what uh, that many bills.
0: Yeah. Um, I've, I've abstracted the uh, situation a little bit. Uh, TweetDeck has actually been really helpful in that because it can do column searching on certain tags yeah. and I don't know how we did it, but somehow when we got people started on Twitter at the last session was really when it took off. Everybody learned how to use hashtags really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so most everything can be followed there. So I just kept an eye on that in the last couple weeks to see what's going on. It's already started to boil a little bit in its uh, direction of crazy, but I'm able to... Look at that rather than having to build my own list and kind of manage it myself, which is kind of nice. <laughs> which stuff are you saying it's
1: boy, um, It's getting crazy already? Which stuff uh, are you looking at that
0: you're thinking that? Well, some of the things that have uh, – well, I can give you a concrete example. Chris Hansen, who uh, in the last session supported House Bill 516, which was uh, – and I'm sure she's got something like it again. Um, that's she, the one that was, that's was basically like countered
1: the, to the, the non-discrimination ordinance in, in Missoula
0: and specifically to take away the ability to have a non-discrimination ordinance that covers protected glasses or any class that isn't in the statewide ordinance, which, you know, it's just a hamstringing. It's, it's a complete BS thing. Um, she was sponsoring that, uh, having run into her a couple of times and ha- knowing a couple of things that she's done in the interim, because she is an attorney, which kind of cracks me up. Um, because she can't apparently read the law. (laughs) And I say that not jokingly because uh, she was asking questions of people that I know that were very easily spelled out in the actual law because I'm not an attorney and I can read it. So it's a little worrisome that she got a degree from U of M and they, they think that that's an okay thing. Um, And now she's the head of the education committee and she and Denise Juno do not get along at all. And so it's, it's going to be very contentious. I mean, I, I don't know that Denise is going to get anything that she wants through and I'm fairly sure anything that comes out of there, she's going to have to fight, you know, and that just sets us up badly. You know, you can have differences of opinions and you can want to go about things in different ways, but she has already been interviewed by the Haver Daily News and I think it was picked up by the Missoulian as well, um, and her comments right off the bat are just combative. She doesn't have any, she has no desire to work with Denise. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, this is going to be another nightmare. Well, I saw, so yeah, I saw
1: that there were, um, an article a couple of days ago that there were already a lot of, there were already a lot of, of things being put forward that had, that will be put forward that have to do with education. And I saw a couple of things, uh, there was establishing charter schools. That's going to be, a big contentious one I know there That I've heard a lot of arguments That people make a, For the charter school system And uh, But they They put it forward As as if it has already been determined That this is good This is good practice um, But on the right. other side People
0: definitely do not agree I, I think that's going to be A pretty, pretty well, the, hot one and That one will be interesting And it, since it's already been found Unconstitutional In Louisiana Yeah it was Bobby Jindal's uh, Plan that was put forward And Uh, The district court found it unconstitutional. Hmm. So there's a problem there. Uh, You know, it's it's one of those things that's like, well, okay, do we have to figure it out or can we let some other states work on this one while we do something that's more productive? I think we're going to have to figure it out because some people, once they get that bone in their jaw, they just will not let it go. Yeah. Well, (sighs) a lot of it
1: sounds like, I mean, to me, I mean, just, and I haven't really studied it that much. I've listened to a few you know, radio segments and things that talk about it. And I've heard, read some arguments about it. Uh, it just, it seems a lot of it is, is built on just on it, just on the real, you know, sort of uh, amorphous argument that competition is always good in everything. And um, I don't know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm I'm hoping that people can get beyond sort of the bumper sticker version of of those arguments as they're going forward. They won't. No, I mean people don't. It's hard too, I mean, because people play to the media. I mean, I'm I'm aware of that. And so they do they have to truncate their messages somewhat.
0: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well they do a little bit. So you you've lived in Alaska? Or did you just yeah. write for that? So you lived in Alaska, you've lived in New Mexico, you lived in Montana, you choose to live in Helena. Yeah. And you decided to start up a paper in a time when newspapers are a dying breed. How do you see what you do? Evolving. I mean, I know you've got the website, which is actually really good and very easy to get around. Thanks. Unlike, unlike our other newspapers' website, which is a nightmare to get around. Is it? <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> I'm like, they had it, and it, the the the. Uh, I probably should shut up, but the thing that drives me nuts is it's the same base website that they use for all the Lee industry papers. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, that. and it's horrible for all of them. And they must not know it because they're they're probably so used to it they just don't see how bad it is. But I'm like, click on the calendar. What's going on? Mm -hmm. There's (laughs) a disconnect there. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so there's a lot of uh, little things that are going on. But where do you see media going next? Uh, You know, I'm going to I have a specifically for you and for me.
1: Well, well, for us, I see I think that there is room for us to do this as a weekly paper. I mean, I I really have no doubt at this point uh, that we can do that and that it's something that people would like. People like to pick up the papers still. I mean, I've heard all the arguments, you know, that print is going away. Um, and, there, and those arguments, I mean, there's a lot of merit to those. Uh, I mean, you just look at subscription rates and things like that. But I think that most of the time when people talk about that, they're talking about daily papers. And the same isn't true for weekly papers. Weekly papers actually tend to do really well. They're still profitable across the United States. Um, mm. Whether or not we can be, that remains to be seen. But I, I, don't, I don't buy this argument that print is dead. It isn't dead. People do like to pick up the paper. I know because I know lots of people who do like to pick up papers. They like to have something in their hands. They like to thumb through it. Uh, I don't know. So they like to have something to burn in their fireplaces after they're done. Yeah. Uh, I do.
0: Line <laughs> the birdcage. Yeah,
1: there are, there are many uses for a newspaper. And uh, so I, 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 reject, I sort of reject that argument. It might be to my detriment in the end, but I, I think a really good model right now would be what the Flathead Beacon does, which is the weekly publication, print publication, and daily online updates. I mean, I, and I see something like that in Helen as, as having a – it's a really viable market. I mean, we've uh, – I know that people go online a lot to the IR to get information, you know, to be updated and things like that, but they have a paywall. And um, so, I mean, the vig- vigilante doesn't need to have a paywall. You know, We there's, n- there's no good argument for why we should have a paywall. And the way I look see this going forward is that we do, at some point, publish a lot of news online only that'll never make it into the print edition. You keep the cost low on that end, you just give the money to the writers. I mean, that would be... I think that's a pretty good model, and I don't think that they can fail. Frankly, people want to know what's going on in their communities.
0: Yeah, I I think that uh, the thought that print is dead, what I think it actually is, is that, well, and I think on those same lines, I think radio is dead and I think TV is dead, but that's because I think they've limited themselves by their traditional market forces. You know, tv 's determined by the DMA, um, radio determined by the DMA because of, you know, trust or radio and TV could only be over, you know, they could broadcast in an area and your tower could only be so high and it covered your DMA. Um, DMA stands for something I don't remember off the top of my head but basically it's <laughs> the okay, geographic it's the geographical region that you own the spectrum in so you own this sp- specific part of the spectrum and you can broadcast on it in this physical region and then newspapers were limited by how they could deliver to a house so they were you know generally in a city and maybe a county but that was about it and then the internet happened and it kind of changed happened, yeah. everything. Well, it did happen. And it and it's interesting because, you know, it, it happened in the early 90s and people are just still unable to get around their head the sort of freedom that it gave them. But basically what it allows you to do instead of being a TV station or a newspaper or a radio station, you can just be the news, the local news and you can pull in stuff from region and nationwide stuff using sister properties and um, you know buying content from the New York Times if you wanted to or USA Today, but you still own the local, and if you really focus on that and you put it out in all of the media that you can – You have, you can do video online, you can do audio online. I do a podcast, I do commercials, I do videos. It's not that difficult to do. And if you stop thinking in terms of we're a TV station and start thinking in terms of we're the news. This, how you want to get your news is irrelevant to us because we put it in all of the various different forms that we can so that you can get it. I think you can be very successful. So it's, it's heartening to hear somebody who goes, no, I understand that paper is, you know, it, it's, it's a physical object. It doesn't change. It costs a little bit to put out there. But it is a nice object that some people like. And if it's useful, they'll still pick it up. Well, if it's useful and they're going to pick it up, it also gives you a way to get them back to your other properties, your digital properties that can be updated on a more regular basis. So they're not only looking for your paper, but they're a part of your new world as well.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, you engage people in a lot of different ways. Um, no, I mean, I, I all those arguments, there's not really a lot I can add to that. <laughs> I think you pretty much just covered the ground, you know, Um, and and Business 101 should cover it. What's that? I'm sorry. Business 101 should cover it, but I don't think they do. No, they may not. But they, yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of rooms, specifically for the vigilante. I mean, we can use, we can do video. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, what's the problem that's standing in the way of that? Um, Money. You know, we have to have somebody to do it. And we have to have somebody who is, you know, someone who's trustworthy, (laughs) who's honest. I mean, and so you basically, we can we can cobble together all of these pieces. Like we almost, in some ways, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that we don't have to have this top-down model already in place. Right. All these different things can can conglomerate, you know, over time uh, and, as they happen and based on need, you know. And I think and I organically. Mean, I sort of rea- Yeah, organically, yeah. You have this uh, a model that's reactive to to, the, to uh, the market and demands, which I mean, I, I think is a great way to move. I think in, in some ways, you, you get rid of all of those assumptions that people had about the way the, the structure of the organization has to be. And, and, and I, there's a lot to be said for that. You're a lot more flexible that way mm-hmm. too, I think, which I think that flexibility is really important at a time when technology is changing so fast. I mean, I don't have any idea what will you know, what we're looking at 10 years down the road. Holograms, I really have no idea. Holograms, holograms. That's what we'll have. I am just a
0: hologram. <laughs> that explains flickering people. Yeah. He's flickering. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, we can dive back into the politics thing, or you can talk about some of the other stuff that you've got coming up. I mean, the new year's coming up, you made it through basically your first year. You started in yeah, for April full
1: year. We no, we started in o- October August. of 2011. Okay. So yeah, so, we've been, we've done 15 issues. Uh, I mean, and at this point, I think we've learned Uh, we've learned a lot about how it works, you know, and and this is something that I had to go through and I couldn't just ask people who had been there Mm -hmm. to tell me what it was like, you know, because it's like with you when you're doing your podcast, when you first started doing this. I mean, you can get some advice from people, but you don't really know what to expect until you put a microphone in front of somebody. And then like you had to a couple of minutes ago, told me to turn my head back toward the microphone.
0: Please talk into
1: the microphone. So you know, just, the
0: microphone. Th- this, and
1: this is probably something that comes up, you know. And uh, So, yeah, I mean, I'm learning as I go, figuring out what works, what what doesn't. And I'm trying to keep my mind open to... Yeah, I'm, trying not to I'm trying to be humble. I don't want to be so confident in whatever it is my original vision was that I end up shooting myself in the
0: foot. You don't want to be J. Jonah Jameson chasing after Spider-Man?
1: No, well, maybe. <laughs> that actually sounds like quite a bit of fun. I, I mean, actually, that that would be my call to someone in this community to go out there and be Spider-Man. I think it's possible. It could happen. Yeah. It's,
0: well, stranger things have
1: happened in this town. I'm sure. Yeah, um, and so, no, I you know, I'm... I'm interested in politics and I'm going to cover politics and I'm going to cover politics though in a different way than I think a lot of reporters do. And this isn't, I don't want to be critical of political reporters or of any reporters actually. I mean, I think most reporters go out there and and they have a sincere desire to communicate information to people. Um, But what I see is there's a real steep learning curve when you get into the, into journalism and, all these things you don't know that you have to learn just about procedure, um, just about how, you know, I mean, mainly a lot of it with me like has to do with how the process works. Um, getting a, a just a basic understanding of the scope of how long something will take um, to go through a process. Um, these are all things that, you know, I'm learning on the go. And so I'm not super politically savvy. And I think what I can do at this point, being what I am, is I can come to it looking at it. Like citizens do, because I don't think even in a town like this, that everybody is fully aware of how the process works. I don't think most people understand how the legislature works, how yeah,
0: most of them through. are elected.
1: So. <laughs> That's possible. I mean, well, I've talked to the to some of these people, you know, and they they admit, you know, their whole first term is spent learning procedures and kind of, you know, kicking a can as they go through it. Uh, and I, and I, think that's, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I, I can't imagine why somebody would say that there's something wrong with that. But I mean, I think i want to come to reporting as, as a citizen with some basic curiosity, you know, about why someone said something. Why would they do it that way? Why would they choose to even make this particular law? You know, and not just go into it assuming I know the answer, which I think a lot of people do. It's sort of a way of showing like, hey, I'm on the inside, I get it, you know, and I don't, I don't care if I look like I get it. In fact, I'm fine with being, like, being a dope.
0: <laughs> so am I. That's why I do this podcast. <laughs> um, it's nice. So which of the, what is, what's your favorite story that you've done the last year? Um, I know, making you choose babies.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, um, different ones for different reasons. The one I think that when I got done with it, I thought, man, I'm really glad I spent time with that, was, you know, after the corral fire... Uh, um, it destroyed a, a pretty good chunk of, of the Scratch Gravel
0: Hills. Oh, yeah. So Sorry. I went out and, and this was in the August was. issue, I
1: believe. And it was, I interviewed all the people who lost their homes. And I pieced back this, I pieced the story back together and sort of told the story of them finding out that this fire was happening and then through the fire and then the aftermath, you know, what happened to their homes, what their financial situation was looking at because of it. I mean that's the kind of stuff I most enjoy writing. Uh, I, I like going out and talking to people, and I and I'm comfortable talking to people when they're in positions where they're not necessarily at their best, you know, and when they're not they've sort of lost being guarded, you know, because some, when something bad like that happens, you know, you're not worried about Is how you look. Yeah. <laughs> you don't care about that stuff. You're you're you know you're vulnerable in a lot of ways. And I like talking to people like that. I mean, in a lot of ways, and this is just some kind of uh, way I look at life, would be that, I mean, I wish, and I know it's a pipe dream, but I wish that more people could be a little more vulnerable sometimes and open themselves up to each other a little bit more, you know, quit being quite as guarded. And anyway, so when you do a story like The Thing with the Fire, you get to experience people sort of without an interface that you might often have there. Uh, so that was, I think that was probably my favorite
0: Oh, well, that's cool. Um, I will put a link to that in the show notes, provided I remember. I keep threatening to do show notes, and then I'm like, yeah, just listen to the show, people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know one of these days you'll be able to link while you're listening. There will be links right there. No, I've
0: tried to do that, yeah. and then I go back and look at what I was typing, and I've either shifted my hands off or I've just typed nonsense, and I'm like, I don't even know what it was either. So I just write notes to myself. Nice. <laughs> and try to go back and listen to it. Oh, I better put that in. So um, what's the worst story that you did this year? The worst, I mean, you mean in
1: terms of how poorly I wrote it or (laughs) like the one that was the least interesting for me to do or
0: Uh, or, just the one that you like everything you tried to do with it. It just didn't work out like you were you were going after a story. It kept falling through or the it wouldn't come together or have you ever had that happen? Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't really had that yet.
1: I mean, the the stories don't always come out. So be what I hope they will be when I start out.
0: Um, That's probably a good thing, because if you go into it and it comes out exactly like you hope it to be, that doesn't sound like it's news. That sounds like it's creative writing.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, You know, the one that I think I I liked the least, though, was I wrote about—it had to do with coal. um, And it had to do with coal protests that were going on this summer— and with some recent land board decisions. And I went back and I pieced together, you know, just sort of the historical record of what, oh, I guess of of what people had said and what had happened over the past couple of years, you know. And this is specifically regarding things like they were doing this, um, trying to get uh, a programmatic EIS for the coal trains that are coming through Helena. They were trying to get... um, these these big, the you know, like the, what is the group called, the engineering group? I'm drawing a blank
0: here. The Army Corps of Engineers. Army
1: Corps of Engineers, yeah. See, this is great. <laughs> I'm not on the inside. But anyway, uh, they were trying to get the Army Corps of Engineers to do these EISs um, for these coal ports on, on the West Coast. They And so some, some local environmental groups were trying to get them to include places like Helena that were en route, you know, on the route. Um, so I went back and I looked at just the history EIS, of the Yeah, Environmental In, Impact, impact, impact Study. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, I don't, there was something about that story that just didn't quite click for me. Um, and, and I think it has to do with, you know, particularly with that subject with me, uh, specifically with like climate change. Um, it's a very difficult thing to write about. And as a journalist, you know, I, I tell people when they ask, and they always ask, you know, when they don't know much about the paper, like, what's your slant? You know, or you, <laughs> you know, what are, and they, they they're really what they want you to know, they, it's almost like they want you to just go, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually a communist. And I, this is actually just a propaganda <laughs> vessel, you know, and there's Here's
0: my hammer. And yeah, <laughs> that's what they're,
1: they're, it's almost like they want you to say that. The thing is, is I'm not that. Um, Comrade,
0: don't tell them the <laughs> secrets. Yeah, please no I wish I could do that accent. I would have um, don't worry. We're going to have a discussion about your call and then we take you in the back and shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh that's crazy. <laughs> well we'll uh yeah, this is uh this,
1: so this is a subject though that if you're a journalist, you've you've thought about. I mean, because it's been it's all over the media, you know, this conversation of is there is there global warming or is there not, you know, and the whole the whole question is that that whole debate is non-existent it's a fa- it's a fabricated conflict because the people who are saying there is no such thing are just flat out wrong. They have been proven wrong
0: time and time again. No, most recently by one of their own. Yeah, was <laughs> and which a was professor this? at Stanford. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know about this one. He went out. I, I I'll see if I can find the links and send it to you. But basically, the what happened was he was out to prove that climate science was bogus, and so he went and took a whole bunch of uh, experiments, you know, verified how the experiments work, did them himself, came back with the numbers, added in a bunch of his students, and he's a physics professor, I believe it's at Stanford, but he was one of the biggest deniers around. He gets done with the study after a year, and not only were his tests were more accurate, because he put a little more time into thinking about how they work, and you know, he's from a slightly different background, so he sees things differently. At the end of it, his tests were more conclusive than what everybody else is wearing. And he's like, and shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean, so, this is, I mean, if, in, and I'd like to look into that, you know, but I mean, I, it's not that I, I, I with this particular issue, it's not that I just went out there and I just said, Oh, well, you know, I have a whole bunch of stock in, in windmills. You know, I don't, I don't have any vested interest in this. So what do I do to learn the truth? I mean, I go out and I read and I read the things that seem to come from the most independent sources Mm-hmm. And it seem to have done their work without, um, without motive, and I and I do, all I can do is I can look for the best possible sources, right? And those sources are pretty
0: conclusive. I mean, that's right. all there is, to right? It. And well, and this happens on both sides of the, you know, it, yes, it is a fabricated issue, but there are two sides to it because now, you know, there are people on the other side that are claiming this stuff. One of the ones that I think is really funny. And this drives me nuts because it doesn't get us anywhere on the whole, you know, we need to have cleaner energy. So I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of coal. I understand why we use it. I think that, you know, if we use modern furnaces and burn it, right, we're kind of okay. And we can do some mitigation. There's some other things that we can do, but it's not ideal. It's not a choice I would make if I can avoid it. I you know. Why not? I'd use water and wind. They're here. They're using gravity. I'm good with that because didn't have to do anything. Um, but one of the complaints that they were talking about with the trains coming through Helena specifically was that there would be so much coal dust coming off of them. I'm like, those trains have been coming through here for, th- ever, forever. I remember them from when I'm a kid, when I was a kid. And I grew up, you know, right over in Cloverview, right off the, uh, the tracks were right there. And you can go and look at the tracks. Go look at them sometime because there are pink rocks that are underneath the tracks that, you know, have been stabilizing the tracks forever. Those rocks would be coated in soot if the dust was a problem. You know, because we've had coal coming through forever. It's not like the increase in trains is going to stop what's happened in the past. yeah. yeah. You know, so if there was really a coal dust problem, we would already have it. So it, it really frustrates me that they would point out that they would use this argument that's so easy to disprove by simply walking down the street. And it just it because they do that stuff, it throws everything else they say into this bucket of I have to check it. Yeah. And some of it I can't check by walking down the street. So I have to weigh their voice and what they've said on something I know to not be true. You know, and I get to look it at all the it your view exactly.
1: of the things that they say that you exactly. might and very I mean, well find to be credible.
0: And now I can't support them in in the other things that they say unless I have proof that they're not lying because I know they're lying on this one. I can walk and see the rocks. Yeah,
1: uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I might, I probably wouldn't say lying. I mean, I think a lot of those people really do believe it. I don't think they are actually saying like, but
0: that's fine. And if they do believe it, then they need to go down and look at those rocks and figure out where their yeah. arguments are going wrong because where they're getting their information, they're being fed wrong. Yeah
1: mm-hmm. Well I mean, I mean I think it's a great point though I mean I think On any side of, of an issue The people on that side Sort of need to Please themselves And they need to Please their own side And say You know they I don't want to say They should shut down mar- And marginalize Like the fringe voices <laughs> Within their own side Yeah don't put the fringe <laughs> On Too the margin much. Wait <laughs> a minute <laughs> Oh yeah yeah that's, <laughs> I might have just Botched that a little bit That's okay <laughs> You can delete it right uh, I don't do that This oh, show no. is all about Not editing Oh great <laughs> Um Well, that's perfect for me. So, (laughs) no, I mean, I I like the idea of people policing their their own side. And who is it that should be policing? I mean, I think maybe the people who really do care about finding the truth. I don't know how you pick those people because everybody says that they do care about the truth and that everyone's a champion of truth. It's yeah, pretty clearly none of them not would the be case. able to
0: identify it if it bit them in the face. Yeah,
1: I mean, so I think this is a really cent- a really tough question. This is with every issue that we face. You know, any divisive issue. I mean, well, there are those those chances that we have in our own side to to mitigate some of the others. Even if it, even if you're just looking at it as a debate thing, if you can recognize in, in your own argument the faults and get rid of them, you know, you take away fuel for the other side, and and. Right, it's just a strategically intelligent move.
0: One so, would think so. You would think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's interesting. Uh, that's just one example of many, many times where our causes shoot themselves in the foot. And I'm a great one for that. I am. I honestly. I. This is why. I. You know. When the non-discrimination ordinance, which we'll get to in a minute, when it first came out and people were talking about it, I was like, yes, I'd be happy to do whatever I can. Generally, that meant shut the hell up, <laughs> so, being quiet, knowing when to be quiet, it's right. And mean. and because um, I don't edit myself. You know, if somebody asks me something, I will tell them exactly what I'm thinking, and I have no shame in what I say. I don't care who you are. I say exactly what's on my mind. I mean what I say, and sometimes that's not helpful to the cause regardless of the fact that it is the absolute truth. So I've learned to, you know, just let other people, other people can talk. And if it gets to the point where I'm needed, I'll be there. Yeah. But otherwise I can just shut up and not hurt anyone's feelings. and we will be okay. Well, I'll (laughs) tell you what, I mean, I appreciate
1: more when people are open. So I don't think this is for me, it's really a, a thing about openness and maybe speaking out of turn or saying something that might ruin the cause because frank, like with me I don't really I mean I'm I'm not an advocate for a cause you know and so I really I mean I care about the truth and I do care about um, how we get there you know I care about the process in a lot of ways I don't I, so I wouldn't want to silence the Kevahams of the world you know <laughs> well you I mean, can't
0: we can <laughs> you know, silence ourselves but you yeah, can't yeah but silence you cannot us. do it
1: yeah I mean and I th- I mean I think that's good that there are, there's a lot of there are a lot of people that are disingenuous and um, they, they're they worse for their own cause because of it. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I think being vocal and saying the wrong thing actually helps facilitate
0: like an actual actual discourse. Right. But and, but there's a place for it, too. And that's one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn is that, you know, it's OK to be me, which is a good thing because I'm not going to be anyone else. But there are times when it's just it's better to shut up. Um, not because what you say is invaluable, but because your inability to say it with tact, because you have neither the patience nor the desire to do so leads you to not be the best to get that message across. And in some situations you are the best and it it cracks me up because when anything gets to the point where I'm the person who gets to be the spokesperson, it's a lot of fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get to have those moments and, and I'm fairly well-spoken. I'm fairly eloquent. I do know how to use emotional statements and draw people in and tell a good story and, and get to a point in a reasonable amount of time. So people are engaged um, but there's a good chance that, you know, if you've upset me or insulted me that I'm going to call you out for it and use several words that would make a sailor blush. Yeah. It's like, uh, and I have no problem with it cause I was taught those words by my grandmother and she's a oh, delightful yeah. lady. So yeah. <laughs> grandmothers <laughs> often are, <laughs> So, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I think what's coming up with the the legislature will be interesting because we're going to have another whole slew of idiot bills that we'll have to have people testify on, uh, you know, just to make them go away. Uh, but am I going to be the best person on all of them? No. But when it comes time for me to do some testimony, I think all the cameras should be on. Yeah. Should all Probably should there. also have a five second delay. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case. It's going out on cable. Yeah. All right. We're good. FCC doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Well, you know, and <clears throat> I, I want to return
1: real quickly to the, I mean, the idea of why that's, remember we started this little tangent here. I had to do with like that Cole article. Mm-hmm. And it was because I wanted to write about, I want to write about, this, this real divisive issue we have in our culture, knowing sort of in, in some ways like what the truth is. You know, I mean, you may not know all of the absolute facts um, right. because, I mean, I'm not even a climate scientist, but knowing that the the general opinion and the majority of opinion of people on in that discussion who have the right and the, the qualifications to make those calls for us, um, they've made those those statements. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that I could probably catch... A, I think I could catch a lot of flack for saying such things, but I don't think that the best way to mediate that conversation in the media is to elevate to equal standing the statements of people who are saying things that just are not true. And, and so what you get in the media a lot uh, around climate science is you get one person says, this is happening. We have the force of fact behind it. And then someone else says... Oh, no, 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 you know, and they come up with whatever invalid reason to just quote one and then quote the other elevates to uh, a higher degree the one that had no validity. You know, it gives credence to to fringe thoughts that not fringe. That's not the right word, but inaccurate thoughts, things that just are not true and that the media can actually validate. You know, we can actually find. Something like the truth in a conversation like that. So anyway, that's kind of where why, why it bothered me and why it was hard for me to write that article. You know, I am conscious of how people will take it and how, how maybe climate science deniers might spin it and then talk about how the vigilante is suddenly... Look, they're just a propaganda machine, you know.
0: So this is something... Comrade, we get you Exactly, you know, later. we're back It'll
1: to that fine. once again. <laughs> you know, and I'm conscious of that. And, it, and that, it bothers me, I guess, because I work really hard to be fair. You know, I'm not 100% unbiased or anything like that. It's not possible, but I'm fair. And well, I go out and I talk to the opponents. I give them a chance to say you know, what, what, what it is that they feel. Right.
0: And here's the, the, it leads into a discussion of journalism that I've had with several people that, you know, the, the common conceit in journalism right now is to give both sides to the argument. That's fine if both sides are valid, but this is like the, uh, the gay rights issue. They keep having people like CNN and MSNBC keep having people like Tony Perkins on. He's the head of a hate group. He has absolutely no business being on TV. He needs to not be on TV. His viewpoints are completely invalid simply because of who and what he is. Separate from anything that he might say, he is the head of a hate group. And his his reasoning, his thinking, his attitude is not something that we should be giving credence to at all. Regardless of it, if he was on my side, I still don't think he should be given credence at all. You know, the loons on my side of the issue, they need to shut up too. Yeah. And, you know, th- there's a, a lot of what's happened with the whole reduction to sound bites is that whoever it's not, it's the squeaky wheel theory, but it's whoever can be heard gets heard. Yeah, and so if absolutely. you can say it fastest, clearest, loudest, and most entertaining, which generally translates to craziest, yeah, you will get on TV you will and or you will get on the radio or you will get your own tv show or whatever it is and mm, things go downhill from there it 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 undermines the fundamental purpose of the media
1: i mean the idea of the media is to try to increase our understanding of things and i and i think like the drive for constant conflict and stories as a way of driving the conversation or just driving sales for your newspaper Mm -hmm. i mean the the fact is anything we have going on in our lives is complex it's messy the way we talk about those things is they're messy it, it just that is just the way it is and i and i i guess i don't really see
0: oh you don't see think, that as a bad thing
1: i don't see it as a bad thing and i don't think it's i mean i think you know the media probably should clean it up a little bit just so it's not just you know a bunch of rambling but at the same <laughs> yeah, time focus. Focus you is try good. to focus it but yeah at the same time allow for that i mean for nuance that's what i, I guess i'm saying is we don't allow for nuance. We, everything has to be a blunt object that we're hitting each other with, you know, in these conversations. And I don't actually think that's the way it happens. You know, I mean, I sit in on things like, you know, this non-discrimination ordinance at all those hearings. Um, I could imagine how you could write a story about it and make it seem a lot more contentious than it was, you know, you, I mean, you could make it seem like there were. You could build up moments that were really heated, you know, where you could make it seem like people were about to come to blows.
0: Yeah, well, the guy who told me I couldn't take pictures that was delightful. That
1: would be <laughs> a moment like that. See, yeah, it would be different. But I mean, you like, can't like, take like pictures here. Is, I, I yeah. got to give you this quote because okay. it still so cracks
0: me. You can't take pictures here. Yes, I can. It's a public meeting in a public place. I'm perfectly within my rights to take them. No, you can't. This is the United States of America. Oh. Strange. I, I had nothing to say to that. I just took his picture at point I was like, you know what? I can't. Even, there's there are no words, no words to describe the the oddity that that was. Yeah. It's a. It's a <clears throat> and then movie. he told me yeah. I was going to hell, and I was like, as long as you're not there, dude, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: see, these are things like you know, I I would have written about these things I, if I was if I were present, and I see these things, I think it's worth writing, and I don't think. It's wrong for someone to write those things down. I wrote an article that I, you know, I went with Jamie Greer of the Montana Human Rights Network when he was getting signatures mm-hmm. um, because I had heard that he was that some of the volunteers were being harassed, you know. Um, and I, I guess I had heard that there were there was a lot of uh, support, but that there were people who were being pretty rude. So I just went out to see, you know, what was going on. And so I went to the fairgrounds with Jamie Greer. And, you know, f- by and large, people were nice. Even if mm-hmm. they didn't, sign it, you know, sign it, they uh, they would just, they just politely declined. But, you know, there were a couple of cases where, you know, um, people would snicker or one guy uh, is Todd O'Hare, and I forgot which coal company he worked for. He uh, He, you know, he just got trapped in this <laughs> bad moment, like just that a media person happened to be there. But so he comes up and he says... Jamie asks him to sign it And he basically says You know I don't believe in that I don't believe in that stuff And he like walks off So I contact him And I asked him what he meant by that You know and I don't said, believe that fairies are real. Well, if you maybe, clap your hands. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, that's not what he, just to be clear, that's not what he said.
0: <laughs> I mean, he basically, you know, he said, he
1: said that, you know, he didn't believe in that, that the citizen-driven, like, referendum process. And that's what he, he was talking about. And I've since heard people, you know, doubt the, the sincerity of his response. Um, I really have no idea, I guess. You know, I can't really speak for him. But, you know, it was a weird interaction. I wrote it down. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's anything. I'm not skewing the argument. But more than that, there was another guy who who said, Jamie asked me if he would sign it, you know, to protect the rights of LGBT people from discrimination. And this guy, he's just uh, he's a cranky, old bearded, scraggly bearded guy. And he uh, he just points and he points due south and says they can go to China. And so when I wrote this story, I put that he pointed south and um, said they can go to China. And I, I received is, a comment, For those of
0: you who are wondering, who haven't looked at a globe, China is not south of Montana. Yeah. I don't think even if you go all the way around, I think you end up in India, Prussia, that sort of area.
1: Yeah, we could get into some pretty uh, elliptical, like, time warp <laughs> conversation here. But, I mean, yeah, I had someone comment about that and say that I was being biased. Why did I say that he pointed south? um, Because he did. Because he did. I mean, that was. I don't know how else you can, how more honest you can be than to just say what happened. You know.
0: Well, and and what I think is interesting, and I think you'll run into it even more, especially during the session. You'll run into people who are going, "Well, I don't understand why you had to point that out." Well, the reason, and this is, you know, it goes back to taking pictures of the people that are uh, uh, in opposition to the Helena non-discrimination ordinance. If you cannot stand up for what you say or do. In the light of day, in front of the entire town, with a big old spotlight on you called the sun, with a microphone in front of a priest, your first grade teacher, your mother, <laughs> and the grocer, then you shouldn't be saying it. You know, and I say this knowing full well that I know what comes out of my mouth and people going, Are you, do you think you could do that? Oh, yeah, you put me in the cathedral, in the middle of the day, with the entire church. If I have to say it, I'll say it. Don't care. You know, I, I stand behind what I say. If I don't think that I could do that, I wouldn't say it. And for these people to be all, oh, well, I don't want my picture taken. Well, then you shouldn't be here. If you can't stand up for what you're doing and say it proudly, stand on that hill. Cause you know what? It comes down to, if you're saying it right, if you're doing the right thing, it doesn't matter if you're standing alone, history will vindicate you. But if you know you're doing the wrong thing, if you know you're on the wrong side of history and you're still doing it, you're just a bad person you know there's nothing there's nothing to it and so when you're you're confronted with it as a journalist and you see somebody who's stepping out and proving themselves an idiot and you're documenting it um that's your job you're required to it's not mm-hmm. something that you get to omit because you have to weigh everything that they say with how they act and what they do because that's reporting yeah i mean again there is this
1: thing i mean it's like are we supposed to is our job to protect people's images for them no i don't think it is i mean and and this is going to at some point you know I, i can imagine how at some point this is going to annoy somebody who maybe sees me as like an advocate for them or maybe sees me as sort of a friend of theirs you know i'm I have to try to do my best and that's not going to be perfect because I'm not a perfect person, but do my best to portray it. Yeah, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, Do my best, you know, to portray them and the moment as it was, you know, and there are all these other time constraints and things that you have to consider, but, you know, doing the best you can to get it accurate. And if somebody is doing something that most people would consider stupid, I don't think I have to protect them. No. In fact, it's important that it's called
0: out. And by that same token, if somebody's doing something that's brilliant and isn't being seen, it's important to point that out too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the journalism thing I think is interesting. I'm very glad that you're doing it. I'm very excited for the paper. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with the session. <laughs> yeah, I think I will do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm already, I'm looking at some things. There's a, a couple of interesting bills already, you know, which are the ones that have caught your eye? Well, one of the ones, um, you know, that I'm really interested in and I, I don't know why is, so Robin Driscoll, okay. um, propose has, a, has an act that would make it illegal for any, uh, government agency within the state, any, you know, any, anything like it, law enforcement and stuff to use unmanned drones, aerial vehicles. And, uh, I think that's really interesting
0: yeah, because the is a little
1: tight on our head? No, I d <laughs> I don't think that's quite it. I mean there's been a lot of um there's there's a there's actually a drone caucus, and I just heard this on the radio recently. There's actually a drone caucus in Congress. And and this is the deal. Uh and this is I mean, I'm I'm reading this and I'm not I don't think it's a tinfoil hat kind of thing, is that these companies that are making these unmanned drones, mm-hmm. they They've got their military market. Right. You know. where else can they go but uh, to make more money than, uh, than to go to well, they can't, the they law can't, enforcement? They can't sell them.
0: The, it would require a change in federal law. The way they were designed and paid for means that the drones are owned by the U.S. and they can't sell to other countries or companies without U.S. approval.
1: Yeah. Well, they're selling them internally. I mean, and there are cases already of, you know, um, cities... City and um, police forces that have air have drones. I mean, and so right now, I think it's interesting because we're going to see are the they argument. armed?
0: They can be. That's the thing is some of these things can. They, they, uh, this, well, I know uh, the drones could be, but I'm wondering if the did the police have the armament for them? Or I don't know that. <laughs> That's, see, this that is, is
1: what I'm going yeah. to have to find out more well, about. Please do, and then I'll I call Mr. Will.
0: Orwell and we'll have yeah. a look at No, I this.
1: know because it sounds completely crazy, and you kind of have this sense of. I'm wondering how it'll play out in, in Montana. Is it going to play out like, is it going to be looked at as this tin tinfoil hat wearing kind of position, like this paranoia about well, the future? Or is it going to play out as a, a personal freedom and a right to privacy thing? There's a strong contingent of people in Montana that are, very much for privacy well on both sides of the aisle, yeah. which is interesting
0: mm-hmm. um this may that may be one of the bills to watch out for just because it 'll have interesting bedfellows i agree yeah. um, but I do think it is kind of a crackpot thing, but it was brought up during the election. I mean Reberg was touting how we 've been we 've been patrolling the Canadian border. we need to make it a hundred miles wide. We do not the Canadians are not going to invade I mean if they do, they 're bringing beer we 'll be fine they're bringing beer and socialized medicine we 'll be okay we 'll be okay, and gay marriage we'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, like,
1: we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how that Have you practiced
0: out. your A's? My what? Your A's. No. How are you doing A? I have not, but I can. <laughs> A.
1: I know some Canadians who don't say A. Traitors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so that there's that. And then there's one that I've been, I'm kind of waiting for. It's still un, unintroduced that has to do with how we assess taxes on um, corporations like um, utilities apparently and... Pipelines, yeah. Well, this is a, a concern too. But the uh, the the how we assess the property, um, some groups are lobbying basically to uh, to have their property assessed as if all the pieces say of their telecommunications network were all separate and uninstalled, and you know, as if there were no added value um, by combining all the different parts of your telecommunications network. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, so we have so we the have the sum is greater than we the parts. Some, exactly, you yeah. want to be
0: taxed on the parts, but you want to be yeah, sum. just the
1: parts. You know, and and so what mm. it means is huge savings for those companies
0: and huge losses for the state.
1: And yeah, and who pays for that? Yeah, I mean this is, I mean because the budgets will already be set, so somebody pays for it. Taxpayers pay for it. So this is going to be something that's going to be the rhetoric is going to be hot. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, we we always get into that. I mean, the taxation issues are always really complex. Mm. Um, And I hate taxes. I, I don't mind paying them. That's never been the issue. I hate the structure of them. I think they're far more complex than they need to be. And unlike all of my friends who are generally on my side when it comes to just about everything else and you know equality and all that when it comes to taxation I am way on the other side with them because well yeah they're very much into you know we have to have a progressive tax and I was like yeah we should have one now but we don't it's regressive it's far more regressive than if we just had a flat tax so let's even things out for a while by just having a flat tax and they hate me for it and it's like you can't do that and I was you make the people at the low end pay more in tax and I was like they'd be paying less than their Paying now, and the people at the upper end wouldn't have the loopholes that are getting them down to 12%. Yeah. 12%. So your position sort of
1: like a, a pragmatic meeting point. Well, what it maybe is is towards something
0: else. If you want to make a truly progressive tax, you have to start at the point where the tax is equal for everyone and then make it greater on the people at the higher levels. That's how a progressive tax technically should work. But what we have is a a pseudo-progressive tax, which ends up being far more regressive than a flat tax. So in order to eliminate the regression that we have going on, let's just go back to flat. It's really easy because then we can clear out the IRS, clean up the whole thing. We say, everybody, look, what was your income? How much money did you bring in? Well, this amount, this is what you owe in taxes. (laughs) Simple, simple math. Yeah. And if you're under this level, we're going to give you most of it back because you know what? You probably need to put food in your mouth. (laughs) Again, simple. That's two rules. I can write them out in Excel. I can submit it. By, you know, a, a simple PHP script, everybody would know what's going on. This is your taxes. This is what you owe. This is what was withheld. This is what you get back. Life is good. Done. Simple, 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 simple. Cannot be that hard. And the people who are like, well, you can't have something like that. That would be regressive. And I was like, no, that would be flat. <laughs> it's neither regressive or progressive. It is flat. <laughs> yeah. So I have that argument going on. And then I think we should get rid of daylight savings time, which just makes me a nut. <laughs> Yeah, that is
1: that is something to champion, I suppose. It is. Think about it. Okay, do you like
0: Daylight Savings Time? I really, I have no I have no opinion on it, really. I the don't. week that Daylight Savings Time happens, how do you function? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I, I don't really notice. I mean, I usually just forget to set the clock, to change the clock. And then, so maybe I'll be late or early for something, and then it's over. Because then I learned my lesson. I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. And it should... Because I spend a lot of time outdoors, so my wife and I have a cow. We have a milk cow. I don't know if you know this, but I did not. So we have to milk this cow twice a day, and and you know during the winter it might be nice to have a little bit more daylight. Because we're out doing chores and at,
0: at night, but um, you have the same amount of daylight whether it's noon. Yeah, and, one. yeah.
1: It just has to do with when you go to work, and that screws everything up. But right,
0: yeah, right. Yeah. But that stuff is, you know, like I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and you know, t- here we are. Today's the winter solstice, so it's the shortest day of the year. We've got six hours and some odd minutes of daylight, and uh, or from sunrise to sunset, and then we got twilight after that. But uh, you. We you get up in the morning, even people like me who don't get up at the, you know, I did. I don't get up at the crack of dawn, but today the crack of dawn was after I got up. So. <laughs> Look at you. It's like
1: I was up at the crack of dawn watching the sunrise, and it was really beautiful this morning. And
0: that'd be great. Yeah. And if it was an hour later, I probably would have been up to watch <laughs> you it. You would have been there for it. Exactly. You know, it, these people are like, well, I want the sunrise to be up, whenever, up early in the morning. You know what? It could be up for more, many more people if it were a little bit later in the day. Yeah. And at night. When people want to do stuff, if it's light out, they're far more likely to do stuff. Our economy actually is better in the summer than it is in the winter around here. So, you know, I'm like, "Mm, make the night a little bit better. People go to dinner more often.
1: Yeah. Spend a little more money.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Be out and active.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I still,
1: you still haven't convinced me completely. Well, I, my, big yeah, thing,
0: my big thing is that I hate it. I lived yeah. in Phoenix for five years where they don't have it, and it was so great. It's like you don't have to worry about it. Everything's fine. The rest of the world has its two weeks where they're not at a meeting, and you get to laugh at point. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I, another part of it might also be that I, you know, I m- lived in Alaska for six years before living here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the winter was just a dark time anyway. Um, so maybe it just seems a lot nicer
0: here. Now. Exactly. Yeah. What, they, of, what is all they, this light? What is that, gl- that glowing orb? Exactly. We do have some sun in the sun, in the winter. Cool. So, uh,
1: what have you got coming up? Uh, this next issue will be coming out next Thursday. I don't know when you're going to
0: post this. Um, in just an hour
1: or so. Yeah, okay. So, well, it comes out, it'll come out next Thursday. I which
0: think. is the 27th?
1: No, I'm wrong. It'll come out on the 3rd. I believe. Yeah. The first, it, we always come out on the first Thursday of the month. Oh, okay. And, um, so and this one, what I'm doing is I'm going around. I'm getting pieces of writing and doing interviews with different sort of community leader types about the this recent tragedy in Connecticut. Um, I typically keep stuff really local, but what I'm doing is lots of people are talking about it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting people, um, you know, I just talked to a psychologist this morning, a forensic psychologist. Um, I'm talking to like faith leaders. I'm talking to, um, some artists, kids, um, sociologists, hopefully. And, uh, and just trying to piece together a conversation in, in print, you know, um, of thoughtful, extended thoughts on on just what happened and why and where we go from here. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be just sort of like
0: a conversation centerpiece. Um, that's that's the main feature. So you didn't grow up here, so I'll, I'll give you something to add to that. Yeah. C.R. Anderson has a gun range in it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you know? I didn't know that, but I did know. I mean, I know that there is a push right now to... There, one of the bills that's, in, that's unintroduced has to do with allowing um, shoot target practice and stuff in schools, and elementary schools.
0: So, yeah, I, I mean, I believe I don't know that. about elementary schools, but we actually had gun safety, uh, hunter safety, when we were kids. And we took it at uh, the, the guard base that's down on Lindale. And then we also did um, target shooting up at – because, you know, we had a gun range in our middle school.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, that's oh. another thing. I didn't say it, but, I mean, we have – there I have at least one person who is, and is I'm not going to say who, but I mean, a a, a staunch Second Amendment um, supporter, you know, um, uh, and and then another person who is he's not staunch anything. He's just kind of a Looney Tune, but um, a, an intelligent Looney Tune. Uh, but they are they're sort of they're like the gun angle, the gun proponent angle, you know, mm-hmm. um, because obviously this is a really complicated conversation. And even just reading the news. You don't get, you don't get the, like what I was talking about earlier, that like that muddy, ugly part of discourse, you know, you don't get the people, frankly, just addressing like, yes, we have an issue. It probably can't be solved by any one thing. We, and we, none of us know what exactly the, the combination is to make this stuff go away. We all, any, any sane person wants it to go away. How do we get there? It's really ugly. How do you even... That conversation is something that we can't... We we haven't even been able able to have as a society because everybody has their guard up. You know, everybody's got their taboo subject. The thing, we shall not talk about this particular thing. It's off the table for discussion. And I think that's a huge mistake. I mean, I think we should be able to talk like adults about all options and through the process of discourse, come to solutions. And if we can't do that then what are we doing as a nation? You know, I mean, it's failing. Really important.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're that's, that's... We're failing. We live in fear, and we we have a level of fear that is stirred up on a regular basis by... Well, and, and you know, CNN is just as culpable as Fox News, although I think Fox News' messages are much worse. CNN is, is very much, and MSNBC, all of the 24-hour news channels are very much the problem because everything has to be the sensational disaster instead of a calm, rational discussion. You've got to, at some point have those discussions or we're just going to continue to have these problems and they're going to get worse and worse and worse because people have to outdo one another in order to make it in the paper and you know you had a, you had a shooting of 20 kids at an elementary school think how much more awful the next thing has to be to top that to yeah. get in the paper to get in the news cycle the way we treat things right now and then now that you've thought about it know that You're not the only one who's thought about it. And some psycho with a gun has thought about it as well. That's the sort of fear that we live under. And instead of facing up to it and going, we will rationally talk this through. We will sit down and have this conversation and know it's not going to be comfortable. And no, it's not going to be easy or fun or quick, but we are going to do it because by God or whomever we are are Americans, and we will get this done. We can lead. We can do the right thing. We know how. We've done it before. None of us are weak-willed idiots. Well, some of us are. Some... But there are enough of us that aren't that we can stop them and we can sit down and have these discussions. And it's funny because, you know, my dad is very much a Republican and we get into it about politics all the time. And if anybody ever saw us, our discussions look a lot like arguments between two psychos. Great fun. (laughs) Great fun. Because we just yell at each other. Bark, bark, bark. And, uh, you know, so if anybody else sees them, it looks completely chaotic and, and wrong, but that's how we communicate. And it took a long time to get to that level because in the middle of it, I'll ask him, you know, Hey, do you want some iced tea? Sure. You know, completely like <laughs> nothing's going stop. on. And then right back. Down. Down. <laughs> right. Um, but we can have those discussions because we know that's how we communicate with each other. At some point we have to have those discussions with everyone else. And yeah, it means that you're going to have to invite the people that you don't like. It means that you have to sit down at lunch with Tim Ravendahl. Sometimes yeah. I've done it. I don't agree with the man. I think he's, he's bonkers, but I sat down to lunch with him. Nobody else, you know, he was talking about a bunch of stuff with the uh, gay community a couple of years ago and he was very much attacking us. And I was like, I don't get it. You're a friend of a friend of, that I grew up with. So talk to me, go to lunch. When we did Applebee's, we'll have a lunch. We'll see what goes on. And, you know, and I talked to him and he had the usual stuff that he had been fed. He had never done his own research, didn't know what was actually in the Bible. Um, and was quoting just a bunch of made up stuff to make him feel better about a decision that he was going to hold on to, whether it was real or not. But I at least took the time to find out, you know, yeah, that, well, that's I mean, what you got to do some, on
1: more of it. I agree. I mean, I think that, and it, it always gets summed up as just saying talking across the aisle, you know, blah blah blah. I mean, that's silly. I mean, just to to say it like that, but that people really do. I mean, we've we have sort of cloistered ourselves. We and and the, the various echo chambers are really really echoey. You know, the yeah. reverb is a little too loud at this point. And I think, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of room for. Even and I don't know if it goes to it doesn't have to happen in the chambers. I mean, I think it it is more just a social thing, like having friends who you disagree with. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, who politically are different than you. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I just I I feel like something is missing there because so many people, it's really easy to convince your friends of things. Well, it's really uh, easy once you
0: are surrounded by people who say what you say to believe that that's the only thing that's out there. That's the echo chamber.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it breeds a. It breeds a problem, too. I mean, you know, and it, it, coming from the media perspective, you know, it's – these people are uh, – and then on both sides of a lot of issues, you know, they're – they oversimplify their everything uh, to the point of absurdity. I mean, and, and I, I guess what I'm – I'm probably butchering the way I'm saying this, uh, but that you you, like, go on Facebook and you see people – who you typically agree with talking about something, and then you see all the comments that flow down the page, and they all, you know, they all agree, and they're all cheering for each other, and nothing gets done. I mean, this is what an echo chamber is, I guess, and it just sort of reaffirms that like I am right feeling, you know, and it just it kills humility. I mean, as just sort of a basic human trait. You know, I mean, and just constantly being affirmed in your own beliefs, I don't think is really, I don't think it's really helpful.
0: No, it's not. And if you if you can't stand up to a challenge to your beliefs, then you really probably shouldn't hold them. Probably not. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, it was awesome having you on the show. I yeah, think the, the paper me. is going to be an awesome addition to the media in the area. And, um hopefully we'll talk a little bit during the session. Yeah, hopefully so. Yeah. There'll be a lot to talk about. I'm sure. <laughs> cool. Thanks again. It's Shane Castle. He's the editor, one of the lead writers and pretty much the driving force behind the Helena vigilante, which you can find at various places around town. Yes. Yeah. Like 120 locally owned shops. Very basically cool. It. And then, uh, you can also find it online at Helena com, which is H E L E N A V I G I L A N T E.com. I think that, got that is right. correct. <sighs> spelling so i have to i have to ask one last question about okay. that um you, you chose the name helena Vigilani. why um did you know the vigilante story i did or? yeah yeah oh, okay. i
1: mean i just thought it had immediate cache, you know oh. was really it um all I, I mean everybody know everyone around here gets it and it's a local paper so it's for it it would only make sense here mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense outside of here You know, and so in that way, I sort of, (laughs) I think I was sort of...
0: That's the same with the legislature. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it was sort of like, you know, I'm planting a flag and saying, this is what the paper's about. It's about the community. So... Cool. Well, I think it was a
0: good choice. Thanks. Anyway, everybody check it out and we will see you again. I probably will not be doing another show... Until after I get back for my birthday, so it'll be the second week of the session sometime around the 15th. So have a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is that doesn't insult you, Say, consider I said it to you. And uh, we'll see you in 2013.